I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. And I'm sorry to everyone. I was very naive. I believe the title of my Halloween costume was The Calhoun Bitch Project. Uh oh. <laughs> and I walked around the, the hallways of Calhoun. The Ooh. Calhoun Bitch Strikes Back. <laughs> Book of Shadows. <laughs> bitch of Shadows. Bitch of Shadows. <laughs> Hello and welcome to When We Were Young, the show where we take a look back at different parts of pop culture we loved from our formative years and experience them again today to see if they still hold up. I'm Becky and I'm here with Chris. Hi, Chris. Hello. And I'm here with Seth Pearson. Hi, Seth. Hello, Becky. So last week we covered Twister, the 1996 weather thriller from Jean de Bont. <laughs> and uh, we thought that it held up pretty well from our childhoods. Is that right, guys? Yes, we were, we were trying to figure out whether or not it Whoa. held up. Oh, already. <laughs> already with the puns. Yep. That did but, not take long at all. Nope. They'll be back. That was not my only pun of the day. This week, because it's, you know, Halloween's right around the corner, um, we wanted to take a look at one of the most influential horror movies from the last few decades, and that is The Blair Witch Project. That was released in the summer of 1999, July to be specific. It was on DVD by October of 1999, so that was right in time for Halloween. Yes, I bought it on DVD right before Halloween, I remember. DVD or, like or VHS? DVD. Oh, DVD. I had yeah. it on VHS. I was very advanced. Did you check at Blockbuster for when this was going to be released? Uh, no, I think I bought it at a grocery store, actually. Whoa. Yeah, like, it was back when, like, that was just a thing. Like, you could see. I mean, I guess you still can, but, like, why would you? (laughs) Now I'm just, like, in line at the grocery store buying it on iTunes on my phone. Right, times have changed. Times have changed. To give you a sense of where movies were in 1999, American Beauty uh, won Best Picture that year. Uh, Other horror movies in 1999 were Stigmata, Deep Blue Sea, the Sixth Sense, which was also nominated for Best Picture, Audition, Idle Hands, Lake Placid, The Rage, Carrie 2, and Ring 2. So, so 1999 was like a great year for movies, but apparently not a great year for <laughs> horror movies. Not a great year for, well, I mean, I well, mean, The Sixth Sense, I think, and yeah. Audition um, still holds up as like a cult classic. Um, you might make a case for Lake Placid, maybe. I, I might not. <laughs> I honestly might not ever. I'm not sure anyone even involved in the production of Lake Placid would make the case I did, for like, it. I think Betty White would say it's still still a good one. Betty's still holding out? Yeah. She's still a big fan of her role oh. in Lake Deep Placid. Deep Blue Sea is also, like, hilariously, like, wretched. And so I own oh, that Blue one Sea on DVD is as well. I will yeah. fight for that in any battle. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Blair Witch Project, uh, in relation to the other movies of 1999, it was the 10th most, uh, biggest box office film of 1999. Can you guess what was number one? Oh, of 99. Oh, yes, I can guess. Uh, Phantom Menace. Yes, it was Phantom Menace. Oh, really? Um, oh. and right after that, Phantom Menace, Sixth Sense, Toy Story 2, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, The Matrix, Jesus Tarzan, Christ. Big Daddy, The Mummy, and Runaway Bride, and then The Blair Witch Project. Um, so an interesting year for movies there at the box office. I would have liked the Blair Witch Project better if it had also had a runway bride in it. Like she was running through the woods in the wedding dress. Maybe. I feel like that's, that's So Richard Gere missing. would play the Blair Witch? I mean, I think he did anyway, right? Like, is that a, is like that a spoiler? Like in life? Oh, oh, we're not there yet. 
<laughs> that director's cut. <laughs> um, a few more stats about the Blair Witch Project, just in movie history. It is the highest grossing horror movie. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It is not the highest grossing <laughs> horror movie of all time. I will not cut that. Uh, man. All right. It, uh, it is the 19th most highest grossing horror movie of all time. So I actually thought it would be a little bit higher than that. But number one is Jaws. Uh, the second is The Exorcist, and the third is The Sixth Sense. So, yeah, Sixth Sense. How much did it And gross? the fourth is Big Daddy. Uh, gross. I got that for you. So, uh, before I get to that, the oh. film was actually, it's in the Guinness Book World Records for top budget box office ratio for a mainstream feature film, which means that the budget compared to how much it earned is the highest uh, difference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Halloween was like I think held that title for a long time. So it's interesting that it's always like horror because mm-hmm. you can do horror like low budget mm-hmm. where you can't do a lot of genres like that. So yeah, it's in, it's in good company with Halloween. Yeah. So the original budget is um, somewhere between twenty two thousand and thirty five thousand. Artisan bought it for one point one million and spent twenty five million to market it. Um, they also added some reshoots. They did a new sound mix. Um, they did, you know, experiments with different endings. They made other other changes. And so the final budget ended up somewhere between 500000 and 750000 And that's after a studio got involved. So before that happened, they just, they were spending thirty five grand or less mm-hmm. on making this movie, mm-hmm. which is kind of incredible. Yeah, that's like clerk's money, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the giant ratio... Can you guess how much it grossed? Worldwide or domestic? Worldwide. <laughs> I think it did well here. I don't know if it did well, like, worldwide. So I would say maybe, like, 175. What do you think, Seth? 250. Seth went a little over, so Chris wins by default. No, no, that's, this is not Price is Right rules. <laughs> the Price is Wrong, bitch. <laughs> You've made it so that I've lost each time. <laughs> it earned worldwide $248 million. I won last time. You don't lose if you go over. It's whoever's closest. All right, she makes the rules. (laughs) Oh my god! And domestically, it made 140 million. So it made about 100 million worldwide outside of America. It's a really popular movie. (laughs) Back in the day, it was real, real popular. Um, So as far as talking about our own history of the Blair Witch, I'll go first. Our witch story. Our witch story. It doesn't work as well this time. No. Um, I'll go first because I was obsessed with this movie. I remember when, and I'll get to it with the viral marketing campaign, but when that viral marketing campaign came out, I was just in awe of everything coming out of the movie, the mythology, the lore. I was on the internet like maybe like eight hours a day when I wasn't in school because I had no friends. So I was already like (laughs) on the internet sleuthing around uh, in chat rooms. So I discovered the website and sneaking in the chats. Sneaking in the chats. Um, Did a pedophile find you and invite you to see the movie with Oh, them? probably. <laughs> <laughs> Her memories uh, of that time are a bit hazy. In 1999, I was 16. Um, so this came out in the summer. I saw it three times in the movie theater. I remember each time I got more and more scared. For some reason, the first time I remember just being in awe of the movie but not being too scared. The second time, I was even more scared. And by the third time, I was just horrified. I bought it on VHS. I had people over that Halloween over my house to watch The Blair Witch Project. I went as Heather in the movie for Halloween. So I wore like that stupid hat and I had my video camera with me. 
And I just went around my school filming uh, the Calhoun Bitch Project. And I would just interview <laughs> my friends asking if they saw the Calhoun Bitch. Uh, it was Did hilarious. you have an actual Calhoun Bitch in mind? Like some? Yeah, who was the bitch? Mm, I won't name names. <laughs> well, can you describe the bitch? She was a bitch. Did she have horse fur? No, I had no one in mind. <laughs> that I just, checks out. I just wanted a reason <laughs> to bring my video camera to school. <laughs> Yeah. And film. And say bitch. And film my I mean, eyes. I picture you honestly in high school, like carrying around a video camera every day, <laughs> asking people about who's the bitch. But... No, it was it was not abnormal for me to be doing that. But now I, I had a hat on. <laughs> Did, were you snotting everywhere as well? <laughs> I tried. Um, so, uh, you guys, Chris, what was your experience with the Blair Witch Project? My experience was like pretty. Like I was a big Entertainment Weekly reader, so. They did a lot of coverage. Like, the movie was, like, a really big deal, like, at the time. So I was very aware of this movie, like, coming out and that it was, like, kind of a game changer in terms of the horror genre. But I didn't have any particular, like, connection to the movie. Like, I saw it in the theater and I was like, all right. Like, I remember the phenomenon, I guess, more than, like, any personal attachment I had to the movie. Like, I remember even at the time I was kind of like, well, it like, I'd heard it was so scary, it's, like, terrifying, and, like, that it, it was so different than any other horror movie that I was expecting to be more scared, and I don't think it even scared me at the time, like, particularly. And so I saw it once in the theater, and, yes, I, I remember buying it in a supermarket on DVD to show some friends, but I don't so think... So you bought it, and you didn't even really, like... I mean, I liked it, mm-hmm. but this is also in an era where I bought, like, pretty much every movie oh, I ever saw. That guy. So, yeah. I mean, you've seen my DVD collection. It yeah. is. There's no end in sight. Yeah. And it's pretty much all movies from, like, 1997 to, like, 2003 or whenever. So. Do you actually just not have a bed but have a pile of DVDs? Yes. I, I, I sleep Wisconsin in them. sheets. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Seth? Your experience um, with the Blair Witch? My experience with the Blair Witch was not having seen the movie at all uh, before we that's decided right. to do it oh. for this podcast. Oh, that's I, right. How did so you how, not? So how did you not see it? Were you so in 1999? How old were you? If I was 16, a woman how old does not you? reveal her secrets. <laughs> Seth was younger than me, so let's just say 14 or so. I would have been a freshman in high school, so I was uh, 14, and I remember the marketing campaign, and I remember it being, I was definitely an internet child, um, and an indoor kid, of course. Um, Shocking. I know, right? I, I was, I too was creeping the message boards. Uh, Maybe we talked to each other and we didn't even know it. <laughs> If you were on an X-Files chat room, I was Scully. Oh, she was definitely on an X-Files chat room. I was mostly in the Disney fan club sections of AOL. Well, I don't know if you ever talked to Scully and Spooky, but I was out there. My AOL name was Decovnight. Well, this this is why we were born to love each other. Um, I liked it, too. You're not in this conversation anymore, Chris. (laughs) All right, I'm signing out. So one thing that you briefly touched on, I want to get into is the marketing campaign. Yeah. So I, cause I didn't, I didn't see the movie in the theater, um, but I distinctly remember it being not just a thing that I saw trailers for in the movie theater, but seeing banner ads for online, seeing like the web video version of the trailer online. Like this was one of the first movies I think that seemed like it was a huge phenomenon before it started, specifically because of, like, web advertising. Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. This was actually, um, it's heralded as the first movie to go viral. Um, 
despite existing before many of the technologies um, that ex- that existed today that make things go viral, um, came it came at the right time in the right place. So in 1999, people were just starting to get personal computers in pretty much every, you know, every family maybe had one personal computer in their house. It started to become a thing where the internet was becoming a part of people's daily lives. Mm-hmm. Not me. It's I started in eighth grade because I, exactly. <laughs> I had a dad who bought a computer early and I had no friends. Becky invented the internet. <laughs> I'm an, I'm it was just her in chat room. She was like, where is everyone? <laughs> where is everybody? Um, but yeah, around this time, this is when people started to actually, you know, have a life online. There wasn't really social media, but there were chat rooms and it started becoming a daily thing in people's lives. And um so the viral marketing campaign, before the movie even came out, there was a there was a book, there was a short form documentary focusing on the Blair Witch lore, and there was uh, most of all there was a website and included fake news articles, police reports, photos, and stories about the myth of the Blair Witch. So it not only added to the authenticity of the film, so when you actually saw it, you were thinking, I wonder if this is real, but like people really did think this was a documentary. And uh, it went to the point where the uh, studio was actually putting up missing posters at Sundance with the actors' faces on them. They did not let them come to the premiere because they wanted people to think they were actually missing. Um, it, it got it got real bad, guys, with uh, with the, the actors having to pretend they're dead, basically, for a while. They created whole segments of uh, news footage with the with the names and faces of the actors obviously because the actors who play in the movie are named as themselves Mm -hmm. um but they made fake news footage and a whole like fake documentary uh about them being missing in real life Mm -hmm. yeah and the website was like one of those things it was one of the first movie websites where people just had to go see it like check this out like i remember being watching it with my friends and like going through all the pages and just no one was really sure whether it was real or not like i was pretty sure it wasn't real um but i couldn't tell people that they like wouldn't hear it they were like of course it's real why would they like because this has never happened before it was brilliant brilliant marketing Okay, so it's directed by uh, two unknown filmmakers, Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Merrick. It stars Heather Donahue, Josh Leonard, and Mike Williams, which are three unknown actors. The actors were filming it themselves using, I believe, uh, what was it, like, Super 8 footage? Eight Six, she 16? keeps saying 16 in the movie. There's, 16? Yeah, 16, yeah. Okay, um, and so they took 19 hours of footage by filmed by the three actors. It's it had to be... much, actually. It had to be edited it's down to 90 efficient. minutes. Actually. So the length of filming was eight days in the woods, and the length of editing was eight months. In the woods? In the woods. <laughs> <laughs> the editing bays were in the woods. I mean... It took a lot of effort you get, to you get really haul that out there. Yeah. Um, to maintain the film's fear factor, the three main actors agreed to stay in character for the whole eight days of shooting. Which is not that hard when you're like, <laughs> it's your same name and you're basically playing yourself. The um the the filmmakers would talk to them through walkie-talkies and they would pretty much just follow them through the woods um and they would leave them notes in the morning telling them what they needed them to do that day. Um and if they had to break from character, they had a safe word which was taco. <laughs> I was hoping it was something a little spookier. I guess why um, would you say the word taco in the woods? How did they know my safe word? <laughs> I thought that was just for me. Oh. Well, now when you well, say taco, why do you have a safe word for just you? 
And that's, oh. <laughs> are you like are you masturbating doing, and like <laughs> occasionally just like taco? Wait, wait why are you turning this on me? What are you doing, Seth? So this, of course, wasn't the first found footage movie, but it was um, the first, I think the first one was Cannibal Holocaust uh, back in the <laughs> taco. 70s. Taco. <laughs> that's taco. too much for me. Taco. <laughs> we need to talk about that's it, That's not our safe word. <laughs> it is. It is. It's what are we going to do when we go from Mexican? Um, <laughs> You're gonna have to have burritos. So there's been um, Build a wall. there's been a lot of found footage movies since Blair Witch. It pretty much kicked off like a new revolution of found footage movies, and some of these include Wreck or REC. I've never seen that movie, so I don't know how you say it. It's Res. It's Res. No. Uh, VHS, Cloverfield, Paranormal Activity, The Poughkeepsie Tapes. Chronicle, Project X, Unfriended, and The Visit, which was the latest uh, M. Night Shyamalan movie. I didn't know that was a... I didn't either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to say, uh, not all these are great. (laughs) Almost none of them are great. Found footage isn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't... I would say it's a gimmick that is rarely good. Well, I think it's because so much of the quality relies on what the editors do with it as far as shaping a story out of it. You know, like if it's ma- if if you make something that way, like so much of it depends on either scripting it well ahead of time, or shooting enough that you can cut something good out of it, and being able to cut something good out of it, and and it's also, but I I think you're absolutely like I I totally picked up on that because so many of the things that I kind of know as stereotypical from kind of found footage movies are started by Blair Witch, mm-hmm. um, so it was really interesting seeing it now. Uh, being kind of the first time that so many of these kind of story elements that that kind of mark off the really the acts in Blair Witch, like see, seeing the first time that they actually play out in a movie. Yeah. So let's launch into it. Seth, what did you think? You've never seen it before. Um, I was absolutely taken in by this movie. Um, I, I, I don't know particularly why it, hit me very effectively but i by the end of it i was really spooked did you watch it in the dark did you have a whole no i watched it totally in the dark okay in the woods in the (laughs) i did watch it in the woods as well again um a coyote tried to take my blu-ray player and then you said taco and And then then i said taco and he broke character (laughs) and yeah he broke character and he recognized it and he he respected my boundaries that's good and i was thankful to him i thought it very effectively kind of played out the experience of what it would be like to get completely fucking lost in the woods while you're on a wild goose chase and start to kind of lose your mind and the kind of distrust that immediately goes between groups when that happens. And I I don't know, like it was very, it was very effective for me. Like it was very, it was a very scary horror movie. Chris, what'd you think? Looking back now that you kind of liked it, enough back then what do you think yeah now? i kind of felt the same way as like i remember actually watching it it might have been like the first time that i watched it on dvd but i remember kind of feeling like oh this was a lot more s- scary even though i wasn't like particularly scared i was like this worked a lot better in the theater and so my impression was kind of now like oh that movie was like a fun phenomenon but probably maybe isn't that great, like, if you watch it now, especially because there's been so many, like, imitators of it. But, yeah, I mean, I found it, like, charming in a way just because they the technology is so different that, like, they don't have GPS, they don't have cell phones, you know, so they can't 
like they really are like lost in the woods and there's not like I feel like horror movies now like make so many different exceptions for like why like oh my battery is running out like oh no I can't get a signal and it was just there was none of that kind of stuff it was just very pure and it kind of I don't know it took me back to like an era where were just simpler and nicer i don't know well, in the I'll, woods being yeah. hunted by a witch no, yep. <laughs> seriously i it was bleak like it was a surprisingly a very bleak movie like almost every hopeless turn that it could possibly take totally happens mm-hmm. and like every way that people can possibly betray each other in like a fundamental way in an outing like that absolutely plays out um And then I also thought it did something really uh, kind of thoughtful for a movie of its type. Um, It's very meta about the process of filmmaking. Heather is is the director of this documentary that's like the form of what this actual footage is, apparently. Everything that happens in the movie is really up to her as the director of the movie, And every turn that they take on their trip, when the compass starts misleading them and they get more and more lost as they're exploring this forest trying to find the Blair Witch, Heather is the person who pushes everyone along the way, you know, just to keep going and pushes everyone to keep filming and keep making their movie and documenting their journey. And at the end of it, she also has like, when she has her big emotional breakdown, um, she acknowledges that it's that it's all up to her, that it was her doing it. And I thought it was kind of a funny commentary on what it means to be a director, because you're the person ultimately responsible at the very end of it for shepherding an actual movie. And the ultimate product is that she, though she paid for it, obviously, though everyone she worked with paid for it, she ended up making the movie. Um, she was very uh, Alejandro Inuritu. <laughs> well, it's also funny you mentioned that because I think this reminded me of The Revenant. Really? I saw The Revenant twice in theaters, and I don't think I needed to see it a second time. Nope. Um, I would agree with you. Because I think it's a certain type of filmmaking and a certain type of cinema that's about just a sensory experience and placing you in a sensory experience that's like a very brief set of moments. It's usually never like a long period of time and it's never a story of a long course or a long stretch of a character's life. Um, It's kind of like a snapshot. Um, And I think this movie is kind of that type of thing. And it was very effective for me, like seeing it one time. I don't know if it would actually be nearly as scary if I saw it again. Well, coming from somebody who saw it, countless billions of times yeah. when I was younger. <laughs> in um, the woods. In the woods. <laughs> um, the woods of Long Island. Not so scary. Long Island. I bought this on VHS, but I never bought it on DVD. Don't have a VHS player. So it's been a real long time since I've seen it. And I thought it wouldn't hold up. Like I was fully expecting it to be kind of like a yawn fest, expecting to be disappointed. And then the second the dialogue started, a wave of nostalgia just washed over me. <laughs> I've, I don't remember the last and time you I've, were saved. I don't remember the last time I experienced this. That I just was just so happy, and I knew every line of dialogue, and I just knew. Even though I knew every single thing that was going to happen, I felt like I was watching it for the first time and experiencing it, like for the first time. And I just loved it. I loved every second. 
I was obsessed with every second. I thought it was just so good and so creepy, so well acted, um, like really well shot in like a way that I'll get to in a sec because it wasn't well shot, but like that just made it more <laughs> creepy. Mm-hmm. Like just everything in the movie, the pacing, um, it's just everything like works so well to to I totally get why people thought this was real because I just have never seen anything before or since like this that you're just so caught up in the performances and they're so authentic that you can't believe that they're faking it. And also I've been lost in fucking forests before. uh, And at night you really can't see more than like five or six feet ahead of you sometimes. Like it's, it really captured the experience of being completely fucking lost in a forest uh, in a way that was very, I think viscerally, not not just like on its own, but especially like you were saying, because of the fact that it was filmed, quote unquote, badly. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was filmed with technology technology that was very specifically made to look, you know, amateurish or kind of lower grade technology, like you'd be able to bring into a forest. At yeah, the like bottom. a home movie. Exactly. It felt like a home movie. It felt. But it, I, it felt handmade. Yeah, you know what? If I if I had never seen this movie before and it was in the theaters, completely the, the exact same, I feel like I would have been really terrified. It well, was, and it's also like because the kind of lower quality of what they're filming with, I found myself like looking for what I wasn't quite seeing because mm-hmm. I had no idea if like there was an actual character that was a witch mm-hmm. that was going to appear in this movie. So I was like looking into the near and far distance to be like, oh my God, is it the witch? Oh my God, is the witch over there? No, it's a bundle of sticks. Why is there a bundle of sticks there? Um, but yeah, I would. I, I feel like the choices they made as far as that like camera technology really served the kind of story they were telling. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, there's been, uh, there was a sequel called Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. No, there wasn't. And, <laughs> and there's a sequel that's out right now, um, uh, which Blair Witch, I think it's just called Blair Witch 2. I think it's called just Blair Witch. Rise of the Owls. Oh, it's just called Blair Witch, not Blair Witch 2? No, because it's not 2. Book of Shadows is Blair Witch 2. Oh, who can keep track anymore? <laughs> um, but regardless, I really feel like this movie was lightning in a bottle that you couldn't do it again today and have it be as effective. I think one of the things that is like these people obviously aren't professional filmmakers, you know, that can, you know, handle. They weren't supposed to be shooting like they were pros. But there's some shots that like when they lose their map and I think Josh is filming Heather and you can only see like half her face. And it's something that they probably didn't even plan that. But just the way that it's filmed, you you feel like distraught and you like are there with them because it's like at a Dutch angle. And it's just it's completely by accident that they captured a moment in a certain way. Like the the scene that I still like love to death is the scene where she has her little breakdown in the tent where she says, like, I'm so sorry to Josh's mom and Mike's mom. Um, just the way she's holding the camera up to her face is just so iconic. Like, people will remember that image for, like, that'll be, like, the... That was, like, one of the few things that I, like, was waiting for, mm-hmm. image-wise. Like, specific images from that movie. But, like, I was like, when is this coming? Okay, so my problem with that is just, like, why is she... Like, she's a filmmaker. Why is she cutting off half of her face? Because she's so scared. And because <laughs> selfies hadn't been invented and she's just, yet. And at that time, she's not filming. She's 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 leaving almost, like, a diary... Like she's, it's like almost like a note I that guess, she's going to die. I, don't, and, I had a hard time like 
I don't know, like accepting that moment just because I was just like, why is she filming it? Like, like it just didn't like make a logical. Like I was like, how would you be holding the camera where it, I don't know? It just it oh, seems very like awkward to me. I loved like, it. I so thought- your critique is that. She was a bad director. <laughs> I mean, she, she was also a bad location scout and a bad producer. I mean, Getting really. into the movie, she's not a good filmmaker. No. <laughs> but the actress She ain't no Fellini. <laughs> I just thought, I think it's up there. That image of her, like, half her face with the snot and everything is, like, up there with, like, here's Johnny in The Shining and The Exorcist with the pea soup. I just think it's, like, I mean, so you need iconic. like, liquids flying out of your face, yeah. basically, to be iconic. <laughs> iconic horror image. Yeah. That, Mainly icons are spewing. Yeah. Like that yeah. shot wasn't. I mean, I'm snotting right now, but you guys can't see it. I'm snotting it's a podcast. just thinking about it. I'm snotting hill. Are you done snotting? That's, I am. I am. Wait, was that 99 too? I think it might have been. What? Notting Hill. It wasn't a horror movie, so I didn't oh, look it up. Wow. I was blown away by the acting, the accidental cinematography, um, and really what I think, like, nobody probably thinks about when they think about this movie being good is the editing because as i said before they shot 19 hours and they had to make an hour and a half movie and it's tight man and the pacing is real good where you're really like it's slow in a way it's methodical where a lot doesn't happen for a while it's real slow and then by the end like i'm on the edge of my seat when they're in that house i'm literally i was literally like holding on to my husband's hand like oh what's gonna happen That's i know what's thing. gonna happen but i'm scared anyway and they edited it all in the woods <laughs> Again, for a film cut in the woods, it's very effective, honestly. Very little of their footage (laughs) was taken by squirrels. Um, I mean, we don't know that. But I I think that's a big part of why the movie was so effective for me, is because the parts that were monotonous, that had to be monotonous Mm -hmm. to make the end scary, were a real drag. But they also knew when to kind of stop having them repeatedly lose themselves and, Mm -hmm. like, accelerate it to what was going to be the inevitable conclusion. Yeah, I I thought it was tremendously effective and kind of very slowly, painstakingly building the suspense of that end sequence. Because in the end, you don't really see anything, and that's almost scarier in a way. Oh, it's so much scarier that you don't... You just see him at the end facing the other way and what you know of the myth. Like, you don't... I love that you don't see anything at the end. I think, like, spoiler for, like, paranormal activity, but I think you get, like, a shot of, like, the ghost or whatever is haunting the Mm -hmm. house at the very end when the whole movie you didn't, you know, you just saw doors opening and closing and there was a lot of suspense. And then I felt like that movie was ruined because you saw, like, a scary face. And this movie just ends perfectly. You just, it ends with them probably being dead <laughs> and that's or at it least sleeping <laughs> they're likely dead and forgetting about that their cameras are still on i think they're gonna be okay you guys yeah they just need some rest yeah it is very much like i feel like a lot of the most iconic horror movies like psycho and jaws we come back to that again and again but it's like they always show such restraint and this movie does show a lot of restraint just not only like in what they show but even sound design like you could have you can imagine, like, doing a lot, because they were shooting for so cheap, they, like, they're like, all right, well, what can we do? We have some sticks and piles of rocks. Like, what can we shoot? And human teeth. Don't forget human teeth. Ah, uh, well, I never How do. could I forget human teeth? I, I take them everywhere a, I go. The director's dentist provided those human teeth because those were real teeth. He just, he just had some teeth he just on has, him. Wow, product placement has gotten really <laughs> desperate in movies, Becky. <laughs> Is he in, the, like, the thank yous at the end? Like Probably. Hmm. Is he referred to as Dr. Teeth? <laughs> I don't know, but probably. I'll have to check the credits again. 
I don't know how to come back from that. But <laughs> anyway, the sound design could have been like so much more like crazy, scary, and it, it is. It's a very restrained movie. It's very yeah. There was not quiet. one tackle. Well, they yeah. didn't have really sound design, so it was just the filmmakers yelling in the distance at them. Right, or but, they could, but they could have added so much of that. They could have added, like, mm-hmm. witches cackling. I'm then. the Blair Witch. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely could have ruined the movie, and they didn't. Good on them. So it seems like we're in agreement that this movie's good. Well, okay, I have some. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd like to, for the record, say that I feel like online there was a big backlash at some point. This was nominated for some Razzies the year it came out. And, you know, people saying that it sucks. I think that's why I thought it would suck when I watched it again. But I I really felt like it was really effective. And I haven't seen a lot of found footage movies that, that capture what they did for such a low budget. Yeah, I mean, I'm still impressed with the movie. And like I said, the restraint. And also, like... I think I was expecting it to be more amateurish just because I remember like shaky camera running and I was expecting it to be a little less thoughtfully put together and orchestrated. And they actually like I had sort of forgotten a lot of the like the stuff with the sticks that they had done. And I my memory of the movie was a lot of dialogue and people just like j- jabbering in the woods about like who's lost. And there is a what lot the of that. Is that? What yeah. the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. I feel like they're like the middle of the movie does kind of like sag a little bit where it gets really repetitive for me. Like, who lost the map? Like, like why don't you have the map? I thought you had the map. Like, all that stuff mm-hmm. like gets a little tiresome for me where I kind of feel like what they did skimp on in this movie were like characters. They didn't, they were like, okay, you guys are playing yourselves. But I didn't feel like any, like, I don't really know how to do describe these people especially like heather you kind of get she's very you know driven and sort of but naive yeah but like the other two guys like i i maybe wish that they had feel like they have personalities i mean they're not super deep but i felt like i did get to know them see that's the well so i let's let's differentiate it though i think you don't learn their backstories and I think that's a del- pretty deliberate. No, but I don't choice. want to learn their backstories. But I but feel I like you could you have given them a direction. Though. I don't feel like they were given very much direction in terms of like what their. And I mean, this is this kind of helps it make maybe feel more real. But I might have liked more specific interpersonal drama. There's there. no specific narrative arc. There's no, no, there's like, not. Well, I believe there the actually characters. was supposed to be, um, and this I think was cut out of the movie. But one of them is uh, an ex of Heather. And so there was oh, going really? to be a little bit more backstory there, but I believe it was cut out of Twist. the final cut. No, see, I don't, I don't even think that that sounds like a good thing, but just like sort of more, I feel like the, the directors like wanted this improvisational experience where the actors aren't, you know, they're basically behaving as themselves in a scary situation and they're, they're provoking them with, you know, because they like surprised them with different things. Like they would wake up and not necessarily know what was going to happen that day and they just had to react to it. And so like that works. But I feel like what they did skimp on was like maybe like this is how your character would act, sort of differentiating them like by their characters and giving them a little bit more like meaty stuff to do. Like it, it 
to me, it just feels like a lot of back and forth, like nagging where like anyone could just be talking. It, it It's not character specific to me. And that kind of lets me down a bit in the middle of the movie where I, I think I would have enjoyed it more had there just been a little bit more personality coming through from these people. And if they were playing maybe a little bit more of a character without it going like all the way into like it feeling scripted or like love story would be probably like contrived or something. Mm-hmm. But like now, just so a little bit more direction I, there. I, I, I think what I would have enjoyed more is if, if they were to redo this movie, um, I think they should. Which kidnap, they have twice. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, if they want to reboot it once more, but uh-huh. really do the found footage thing the right way, I think you find random strangers on the street and you kidnap them and have them wake up in the woods with cameras and some measure of provisions. Gary. Scary, Seth. I would like to just announce that this is the last episode of our podcast because Seth has been arrested. Taco, taco. Well, is this a taco situation I wanna, already? I wanted to ask you what you guys would think if you could do this today, but they have done two, as we've said. Um, currently, the Blair Witch, and it is called Blair Witch, not Blair Witch mm-hmm. 2, it has a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I mean, they did it, and they made it all modern with, like, GPS, uh, like GPS cameras and stuff like that, like little, um, you know, uh, GoPro camera type things that they wear, um, but it's not Using as good. Star Trek technology. It's not as good, and I think that the technology today is is too good that it's less scary when it's not seen on eight uh, millimeter or sixteen millimeter film. Well, and so not having seen the new movie, I can't say whether the technology serves the story. Mm-hmm. You know, but li- like you're saying, like the kind of arms race of being able to cram more and more gadgets into movies is really not necessarily serving the story. And a lot of times the imperfections that used to be introduced into movies would help tell the story and help, if not make the characters a lot more solid, then at least place you in their experience a lot more convincingly. In the remake, are they filming themselves with iPhones? Are they... I don't know what they're filming themselves with, but it's... I mean, obviously it's modern technology. They have a drone. I heard, yeah. I've heard they, they have a drone. Do they actually? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, they have a drone, and the witch, like, fucks with their drone and, like, makes it, like, crash or not See, work just, or something. See, that sounds so stupid to me. Yeah. In these movies, I feel like a big thing is that you have to motivate why people are filming, and I think a lot of found footage movies fail that test because, like, at a certain point, you're like, like, why would they still be filming? They'd put the cameras down. Like, that's almost every found footage movie I've seen. Mm-hmm. Like, at best, you at least forget why they're filming, but, like... It, that's always in there. But in this one, like, I feel like they did a good job with her character, making her feel driven enough that she would still be filming. And, like, yeah, I mean, the fact that it's filmed on 16 millimeter, it really does help it feel more real and just, like, feel more classic. Like, it's that wave of nostalgia you felt, I think, is also because, like, it's such old technology and it's, like, it brings us back to a time when we weren't, like, carrying our phones around all the time and where we really had to rely on things like maps and just our own smarts instead of this phone in our hand to, like, answer our questions and solve our problems. Well, I've got some games, guys. Games. games. Which of the three main actors has the most credits on IMDb? Which one do you think? I say Joshua Leonard because I know he was in something else. What do you What do you think, Seth? I'll say Mike. You say Mike. Do you want to give me a a number of how many projects you think? Blair Witch projects or all projects? All projects, not just Blair Witch projects. (laughs) I think they were just in the one. (laughs) Um, for him, I would say. 16. 16. What about, okay, you, you said Mike, Seth. He's a best boy grip. 
<laughs> as actor. Credits as actor. Oh, oh, well. <laughs> if we're going to artificially narrow the scope of this game, I guess. Mike, uh, 19. All right. Mike comes in third with 12 credits. Oh. Uh, Heather Donahue comes in second with 15 credits. And a little piece of trivia, she is now a medical marijuana grower. She's no longer an that actress. That really fits. Heather. Uh, she wrote a book called... What going on? She wrote a book called Grow Girl, How My Life After the Blair Witch Project Went to Pot. <laughs> <laughs> true. This is true. That is, that is beautiful. <laughs> and Josh Leonard was in... Uh, he's got 78 credits on IMDb. What? Jesus. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot more He's than doing I pretty guess. good. Way to go, Josh Leonard. Well, way to go. Josh. Way to go, all you guys. You're, you're all Everybody. great. Everybody. Claps for everybody. All right. So which one of these did not happen due to the release of the movie? All of them. So number one, the 1999-2000 hunting season suffered badly due to fans of the film going into the woods to shoot their own documentaries and scared away wildlife. That's number one. (laughs) Number two, Heather Donahue's mother received real sympathy cards from friends and family who thought her daughter died or was missing in the woods. Number three, Burkittsville, Maryland, where the movie takes place, was swarmed with vandalism after the release of the movie, with fans defacing tombstones and trespassing into the mayor's house. And number four, a man named Rustin Parr, which is the name of the unseen character who murders children in the movie after having a spell put on him by the Blair Witch, sued the film for defamation of his reputation. (laughs) Which one did not happen? I think they all happened. I don't know. You think they all happened? Okay, Seth? I want them all to be real. Um, number two. Number two is Heather Donahue's mother received real sympathy cards. Oh, wait, no. Number one. Uh, the hunting season? Yeah. Uh, the real one that did not happen is the man named Rustin Parr suing the film <laughs> for defamation. So she real her mom really did receive sympathy cards. Oh, I totally believe that Because family one. thought yeah. she died. Uh, somebody really did sneak into the mayor's house thinking there was a tour there for the Blair Witch Project. And that the the city is still being vandalized because of this oh my God. this movie. And the hunting season did suffer badly because people <laughs> wanted to make their own documentaries in the woods. The ducks thrived that year. <laughs> All right, so Becky, you're obviously Heather. So I guess Seth and I have to fight over like. Yeah, who's I'm definitely Josh Heather. I'm wear- I got my little Blair Witch hat on with me. You are so <laughs> Heather, and I feel like you were even more Heather, like back in because we're all like film students, by the way. So we could really. Yeah. relate to like these characters and we've we've all made like very scrappy little like yep little films so i i liked that part of this movie of just like being like yeah let's go in the woods and shoot this thing like why not i'm like, glad that you thought of me you could just I, take the probably scrappy there negative also because you're always like snotting everywhere so <laughs> and constantly like Snotty apologizing Becky. to my mom for no reason i just want to say i'm so sorry to seth's parents and chris's parents it was my podcast. Uh, you're Mike. I think you're Mike. <laughs> Yo, yeah, he's Mike. You're Josh. Wait, no. Okay. Who's the one that kicked the map in the creek? That was Mike. No, I'm not Mike. <laughs> I. That's the thing. I would never give up a map. I am geographically... <laughs> what does that mean? I am geographically directionless. I like how that's the divining, like... No, seriously. Seth, I would never give up a map. That's a deal breaker. <laughs> that's, your, that's a deal breaker. That's your senior quote in your yearbook. <laughs> no, sadly, the senior quote in my yearbook was a lot of stuff from Billy Corgan. <laughs> But we won't go into that right now. My memory of this movie was just like an hour of people arguing about who kicked a map into a creek and then like a scary scene at the end. So the movie did hold up slightly better than that. All right. 
And my, I also have to mention my favorite quote from the movie, which is, I hate crossing streams on logs. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I, th- I think Shit my favorite uh, quote was, well, which one was the bad one? The Wicked Witch of the East or the Wicked Witch of the West? I liked that too. The Wicked Witch of the West. Well, then we head east. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is our second movie in a row that has had Wizard of Oz oh, references. Um, unfortunately, both of those witches were bad. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the good witch of the north. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I believed that those characters would not necessarily be up on their Oz trivia uh, yeah. as yeah. I am. They don't know their witches. No. They they know them too well now. Yeah, well, they only knew that one. That's well, if they had known their witches, they wouldn't have gone research. into the fucking woods and searched for the Blair Witch. I don't think they would. So do you guys feel like this is like a feminist movie? Like, how do you feel about it as like a female filmmaker yourself like i loved it she's flawed but she's like the leader of the group um she's not some sexy actress with pouty lips that they cast no runaway bride no runaway bride i thought she was a great actress honestly because she was she's irritating in the movie yeah but like i think that is her character and i and i really have to give them credit for staying in such good character and being really believable so I thought, yeah, no, I thought totally, she was great. Totally seconded. Um, I think it's a very pro-feminist movie. I also think it's a very pro-queer movie. Um, this oh. movie depicts more faggots than really any film. What? what? He's, he's and, talking about the bundle of sticks. In, in the last oh, 40 years of cinema, We may really. cut that out. No, we're never... No, I stand by that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's also very good for piles of stones. I mean, piles of stones have never Teeth. had a better oh, moment in movies. Teeth and flannel. Teeth? Teeth and flannel have never had a, fi- a finer moment in a movie. <laughs> teeth and flannel both really shown in this production. Particularly the teeth, you know, also the flannel. Yeah. All right, guys. That was The Blair Witch Project. I think uh, you should go watch it right now. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I gladly paid $3 on iTunes to watch it. Yeah. And if you haven't watched it, watch it for the first time. Yeah. It's 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 Halloween season. It's worth it. Turn the lights off. Eat some popcorn. You'll be you'll be spooked. Or or not. (laughs) (laughs) Or you will think that it held up somewhat. Or you'll at least be frustrated that someone kicked the fucking map into the creek for no reason. Well, as Heather was, I I can understand her frustration. Of course you can, because you are Heather. I am. This is just... I just want to apologize to our audience's families for Seth saying the word faggot. (laughs) And I I just want to say that I'm sorry to to the uncles of faggots and, and also to the bundles of sticks that are not tied together. But are just left in piles. <laughs> that was the Blair Witch. That was my impression of her. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> okay, that's it. That's it. <laughs> the When We Were Young podcast was produced in the MFP Studio Studio in Los Angeles, California. You can follow the show on Twitter at www.yshow, on Facebook at www.yshow. You can email us at www.yshow at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. And you're going to want to subscribe and stay tuned because later this month and into November, we'll have a politically themed episode as well as our first foray into television series. Thanks so much for listening to When We Were Young and goodbye for now. I am so, so sorry for everything that has happened. Because in spite of what Mike says now, it is my fault. Because it was my project. And I insisted.
I insisted on everything. I insisted that we weren't lost. I insisted that we keep going. I insisted that we walk south. Everything had to be my way. And this is where we've ended up. And it's all because of me that we're here now. Hungry. And cold. And hunted.